Uh, okay, we're going to go to the Word today, but as we do, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing. Come on, we are blessed people. And as we can't come around the table, and we come around the table week after week, we remind ourselves of where our strength comes from. We remind ourselves where our power comes from, where our source is. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, you're moving on Latvia. Thank you, Lord, you're moving on our mouth. Thank you, you're moving all over the world. And we're excited for what you are going to do. Lord, help us to be people that are all in, not just a bit of the way or some of the way, but we are people that are all in because we recognize the Lord is doing wonderful things and we want to be there too. Lord, bless us today, change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are going to go, church, to uh, a look at a new kind of series over this next few weeks talking about our heart. Uh, and maybe we'll call it Heart Troubles. Uh, and some will be good and some will be bad, but it's getting right to the heart of the matter. And we're going to read a verse, which I know most of us will know so well, but for some it might be brand new. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs. In the Old Testament, make sure to get in there. This is a book of wisdom. This is a book that can transform your life. It's worth reading. If you've not read it before, delve in there along with the Psalms and be blessed in the Old Testament. Here's what it says. Chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else. What a way to start a verse. Above all else. In other words, forget everything else. Or if you still remember it, make sure to get above it because there's, there's something better here. There's something more important to take note of. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If you were a scientist today, you'd be saying, well, hey, that's a great thought, but in reality, it's, it's merely a, a valve or a pump. You know, it's, it's pumping blood all around your body, and that's important, and that's good, but maybe there's more important things than that. And I'd be like, well, maybe it's more than just a valve. Maybe it's more than just a pump. Maybe it's more detailed and more intertwined and more complex than maybe any of us know. In fact, what the Bible says is that our heart, our heart is deceitfully wicked. You're going, What? This is crazy. How can this be true? Because out of it flow the issues of life. And it's one of these things where, is it flesh and blood? Of course. But is it more than that? Could it be our attitude, our ideas, our plans, our, our, our future, our dreams? It can be all of those things. How can it be? Ever had this scenario? Let me just play it out and maybe for a few it will make sense. But you ever had that moment where, you know, you're just going about your day, you're just happy, you're just everything, and then suddenly you, you meet the girl of your dreams, and now you don't even need food? Like, how does this happen? How do you go from a guy who wants to eat all of the time, you're, you're clearing the cupboards, you're costing your parents a fortune, and then you fall in love. It's like, I don't even need food. I'm just the happiest person in the whole world. You know, so how did that happen? If your heart is just a valve that pumps blood, maybe it's more complicated than we realize. Or, you know, again, I'm picking on the guys, but that's all right. You know, we can take it. But you know the way, like, this guy, he wouldn't even spend Christmas. He, like, he wouldn't even get money out any time of the year. And then one day, one day, it's just like something flashes before his eyes, and he's like, what was that? And it's a shiny car. And suddenly he's willing to go into debt to get that car because it just gets in his heart. And, he, and then he's like, you don't understand. I need this car. <laughs> he doesn't really need it. He's just got something going on in his heart. It's when deep. It's like, I have to have this car. If I could get this car, I might get a woman. If I could get this car, my life might be better. If I could get this car, people might like me more. And it gets in his heart. And he says to himself, I'm prepared to go into debt to get this car because I love this car. Church, our heart is more complicated maybe than we know. Our heart. I mean, there, there's those funny times where you're like, you know, I, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to really bless you. And then if all the covers were peeled back, we might go, well, actually, I was doing it for me, not you. 
Our heart is really complicated. It's full of actions and ideas and attitudes and, and this and that. And before you know it, it can deceive us, it can distract us, or it could be absolutely fantastic. But our heart is a big deal. And this is why King Solomon wrote at this time, he says, above all else, guard your heart. Wow. What, what a thought today. What an incredible reality. See, we can have heart troubles or we can even have heart flutters. And each one of them can affect our lives. In fact, here's what Solomon was saying. He was saying, your heart is really a source. You know, like if you go to the river and maybe you're throwing stones in the river or you're trying to catch a few fish in the river. I mean, it didn't start there. It started a way high up with something probably quite small trickling out of the mountain. And then suddenly it becomes the river. I don't know. What's the biggest river you can think of? The bomb. You know, like maybe the Amazon. Amazon River. It comes down. It's like, whoa, this is a big river. But it started off so small. Some of the guys here live in Victory House. I want to tell you a quick story about the source. When we first went into Victory House, here's what happened. We walked into Victory House and then we stopped fast because it was holding the ground. If we had walked another step further forward, we would have been six feet under, hopefully still alive. But there was a hole in the floor. And I was like, oh, wow. But in my mind, I was going, we might get a great deal here. Uh, but anyway, there was a hole in the floor. And I thought, what? And everybody got distracted with this hole because guess what? Nobody was really serious about buying this house. They thought to themselves, this is too much, this is too much, this is too much. They got distracted what was going on here, but here was not the problem. Where the problem was about 50 feet in the air. Well, maybe not 50, but let's say 30 feet in the air. Right up in the corner of the roof, there was a tiny, 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 tiny hole. And through that hole came water. And water coming to a house uncontrolled. You know, and the pipes is fine. In the sink, it's fine, but water coming into a home that's uncontrolled for year upon year upon year is going to damage the whole house. When we first in, went into it, there was a hole in the ground. The whole side of the wall is completely done. We had to redo everything. We got it surveyed. We got a cost. They said it's going to cost tens of thousands of pounds. But guess what? We went to the source. We fixed the source, and then we did something really practical. We opened the windows and let the air come in. Maybe we'll say it was the air of the Spirit, but we let the air in. And in a moment or two, in a week or two, in a month or two, that whole place dried out, and the hole in the floor got covered up, and everything was fine. You see, it's the source that counts. Sometimes we get distracted with what we see. Sometimes we get, whoa, that's, a, that's such a big problem. That's such a big issue. But if you take care of the source, you might find that everything flows from it. This is what Solomon was saying. This is what your heart is like. It is a source. And so if it's a source, then it's very important you think about what goes into that. Because what goes in will come out. And just like a river, if it starts off small at the start, it will magnify all the way down. So if you've got something going on inside and you don't take care of it, it will magnify all the way through your life, all the way through, every relationship, every place you go. This is why sometimes we get really crushed because we say to ourselves, I'm going to move to another country. I'm going to move house. I'm going to move to a different place, part of the world. And then what happens? We find that those issues, those problems came with us and we're even more crushed because like, I thought it would fix the issue. Maybe the issue is not external. Maybe the issue is internal. And this is what King Solomon was saying to his people. And this is what he even says to us today. See, sin was an internal thing. Sin was something that started in the Garden of Eden. And you say to yourself, how on earth could it affect the rest of time? But it did. And then one man came, Jesus. We sang about him this morning. We remembered him this morning. We, we partook in the cup and communion this morning with the body, the blood. We reminded ourselves what the Lord did. And what did he do? He fixed the source. 
He took care of the problem. And so when we give our lives to Christ, what happens? He takes care of the problem and he changes our lives. And you say to yourself, well, how does it matter if I get my sins forgiven? It changes everything. Because your outlook changes, your heart changes, your life changes, everything about you changes. Because the Lord takes care of the source. If we were to define the heart, I think it would take us all day. But let me give you a few things to think of. Is it flesh and blood? Of course. But is it more than that? Yes, it's our thoughts, it's our identity, it's our beliefs. Whatever you believe in your heart. You know, people say, I just believed it in my heart. <laughs> like, wow, cool. How'd you get that belief? Don't know, but I just believed it in my heart. You know, we've got to get real. Beliefs come from our heart. Actions come from our heart. Ideas come from our heart. Attitudes, reasoning, we will, it will affect everything. And so much so, here's what King Solomon wrote in verse 7 of chapter 4. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. He said, guys, if you're going to live your life, if you're going to really step into all that God has for you, you need to get wisdom. Like, it's like going to the shops where well, I need to get this, I need to get that, and don't forget to get the other. Okay, great. Well, King Solomon was saying the same. Don't go through life without getting wisdom. In fact, James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. If you need wisdom, if you lack wisdom, get some wisdom. Because you need to know today, church, that your heart is the most important thing in your life. And maybe it's not here, maybe it's actually more here. <laughs> your heart. The thoughts, the actions, the ideas, the plans, it all starts in our hearts. So if our heart changes, our life changes. It says, though it costs all you have, get, and this translation says understand it, but you could just, to keep it coherent and simple, just change it to wisdom. It's interchangeable. Sell all you have to get wisdom. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because King Solomon knew that if you don't realize wisdom, what you'll do is you'll sell all your time to the gym. You'll sell all your time to your wife or husband. You'll sell all of your time to a motorbike or a car. You'll sell all of your time to, to a house or to food or to your work. Or, or maybe you do all those things. And at the end of it, guess what will happen? You'll realize that I don't know if it really matters about all this stuff. It's, it's what's going on here. The most expensive thing that you have to protect is your heart. And yet, it doesn't require any money at all. It just requires time. But time's incredibly expensive. Or so we think. Don't waste your time on other things, Solomon said. If it costs you everything to get it, get it. Pay the biggest price you can pay. Because wisdom is what you need to live your life. And when you get this wisdom, then you'll realize out of your heart. Flow the issues of life. Above all else, protect your heart. It's your heart that matters. It's your heart that counts. What I think here, you know, that's what's important. Because if I don't get that right, then nothing else will fall into place. Okay, quick question. Ever had heart issues? Come on, I know it's a silly question, but ever had heart issues? You know, it's like you were just living through life and everyone's going really good and you had like all the things, you had savings account, you had a great job with promotion, you had like the perfect car, uh, everyone's going really good and then you got a ladder or, or, or somebody phoned you or, or, or something and it just got all the way through all these defenses and it got, <laughs> you're like, oh, how did that get all the way through because I thought I'd covered all the business. But we are people that are led by our hearts. We are people that know that our hearts are important. We are people, no matter how much you work on the external, it's the innermost parts of us that can catch us out. And church, I want to say to you, if you've had heart issues, it's very, very normal. It's just what will you do with them? What will you do with them? You see, what's so important, again, if your heart is a source, you've got to make sure to get to the person who created the heart. If your heart is a source, then I want to get to the person who knows my heart because I'm not sure if I can trust 
or would want to trust anybody else with my heart, even the one I love. Uh, how much different will it be if I recognize that Jesus is my first love? Because then I'm not so desperate for my next love. I'm like, I, I, I'm looking for the love of my life, but I've already found the one. I, I'm looking to find a partner in life, but I've already got the one who fully satisfies me. Now I can be the partner they need me to be, not the one that I need them to be. Wow, that's a big difference. It's a very, very big difference. When my heart is fully satisfied in him, then everything changes. Acts chapter 237, let's read it together. This is the day of Pentecost, very significant day in the early church. But Acts chapter 2, Peter begins to preach. And then halfway through his preach in verse 37 of chapter 2, here's what he says. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Wow. What a definition. What, what a term. It says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So what has Peter said? Well, if you've got your Bible out, you've already read a couple of verses above. What he says is this. He said, you Jewish people that are here today, you're the ones who crucified Jesus. And it says that they were cut to the heart. Wow. They never saw it. They, they, up until that point, they never knew it. But when Peter spoke the truth, they were cut to the heart. Church, this is why we need quiet time with the Lord. This is why we need in the presence of God. This is why we need to know the Word of God. Because sometimes you can live deceived. Ever been there? I thought everyone was perfect. I thought everybody else was the problem. And then it was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> wow. This is what it says the early disciples. Peter preached. He spoke the truth. It's a wonderful day of the Spirit of God being poured out. Everybody's happy. But these people right in the midst of it, cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. Notice what happens next. It says, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This is what I love about the Lord. He doesn't cut you to the heart to kill you or to maim you or to leave you there. He cuts you to the heart to transform you. And he cuts them right to the heart. And in that moment, he gives them a solution. Repent. Get on your knees. Call out to God and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. We, we got distracted, we got consumed, we got waylaid by other things. Church, I want to say to you, it can happen anytime, anywhere. You could be serving the Lord. How many times have we seen it over this last year or two of incredible ministries that are serving the Lord, and then they fall. Now, it's easy with hindsight to turn around and go, oh, there was a problem, there was a problem, there was a problem. But let's be real. A lot of these guys that fell were not guys that were doing little. They were probably just doing too much. It wasn't that they weren't reading the Bible. They were reading the Bible, but you know what? Maybe they just took their eyes off the prize for a tiny moment and they could consume too much with all of us instead of staying focused on Him. Come on, churches. It's easy to point the finger later, but we've got to stay close to our source, who is Jesus. We've got to stay close to our King, who's going to keep my heart right. Otherwise, I'm going to have to fill up with other things. And the heart's a pretty demanding thing. So if you don't have something or you're lacking in something, your mind will get you moving. If you're missing out in something, your heart will get you going. You will fill it with all sorts of different things. Maybe you could go, well, it'll be extreme. I'll go drugs. I'll go alcohol, whatever. That's extreme. But it could be just simple things of eating, shopping, money, more. Stuff, things you don't need. You know, there's all these different things that just want to get in the way. It's the Lord who supplies my needs. It's the Lord who's the source of my life. It's the Lord who does everything. Peter spoke the truth, and it went straight to the heart. It's interesting how one little word, how one little look can change everything. 
I want to tell you the other side of the story. I was reading about a pastor this week, and, and he says that, you know, I read a lot of books, and I get to chat to a lot of people. And a lot of times I get to chat to the people I get to talk to are atheists, and they come to me and they want to challenge me. Um, we have these conversations, and we talk to each other, and they tell me that they don't believe in God, and they think my God is silly, and, uh, and I'm going, well, I don't think he's silly. I think he's pretty awesome. And then he says, but then there was one time the Lord put something in my heart and I said it. And so he, he told the story. He said, uh, one time an atheist said to me, I, I just don't believe in God. And he said, before I knew it, I had the words out. Here was the words that he says. He said, he turned around and he said, he misses you. Whoa. He said, those few words have seen more atheists come to faith than any other fact of evangelism that he has tried. And when you think about it, church, just for a moment... That, that's going to catch you off guard. You're, you're coming in ready for a fight, an intellectual argument. You've got evidence. You've got YouTube videos. You've got this. You've got that. And then he went underneath the radar. He went, he misses you? What? Like, it just went too deep, too personal, too close. And it hits something in people's hearts. And many times, many people would give their lives to Christ. Isn't it amazing that you could try to fight the battle up here, but the battle is always here? Isn't it amazing that you could go and try to go, okay, I'll prove this, I'll prove that, I'll sort this, I'll take care of your burden here, I'll take care of your issue there. No, 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 it's a sin problem. It's a heart issue. If we could get to the heart of the matter, like what Peter did on the day of Pentecost, we could cut them to the heart and we would save ourselves all this time. And those early disciples repented and they believed and everything was changed. Come on, church, the Lord is here and he's speaking to us. We've been doing Alpha this last few weeks. I'll share a quick story from Alpha because, again, a word is very important. Uh, and there was a guy called Graham in the middle of Alpha. Some of the guys who remember this, maybe from previous years or this year. Uh, he's a guy from Nor North England, I think he is. Uh, one of these guys that just grew up, and he said to himself, I've just been an evil, evil person. And then he let slip something. He said that my dad was evil, and one of my earliest memories was, I remember my mom saying to me, you're going to be evil just like your dad. Wow, what a statement to say over your son. You're going to be evil. He said, I started to believe it, and I started to act like it. And he said, I did so many evil things, I couldn't even share them because they're too horrific. He says, I've had everything broken in my body. I've been beaten up, and you can just imagine what I did to other people. And then he said, when I was at near death, like I shouldn't even be alive. I just, it was just, I was broken and done. My body had given up on me and I was just about hanging together. So I was out in the streets one day and I was just drinking and then these Christians came along, you know, those, those Christians. And they happened to say something, Jesus loves you. And he was like, oh, <laughs> he was like a kid's bear. He's like, I don't want to know. But they kept coming six weeks, week after week after week after week. Jesus loves you. It's like a hard guy. Just broken. His body's broken. He's physically broken. He's mentally broken. Emotionally broken. Just in so many different ways. But every week they just kept going, Jesus loves you. It was like an injection of life in the midst of so much pain. Every week, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You know what happened? He gave his life to Jesus. You know where the next place he went after he gave his life to Jesus? On the same streets to tell people about Jesus. It is incredible what the Lord can do with just a simple word for good or for bad. Sometimes it brings us to our knees and we repent. Sometimes it just brings life where there was only death. And Graham goes from a guy who thought he was the son of Satan. That's what had been confessed over him. That's what had been spoken over him. Till he heard the words of life which says, Jesus loves you. And week after, it took weeks to get that in. It took weeks to get that in because his heart was so hard. Because he had believed so many lies. 
But eventually it got through and he believed it and he said it and he became a new creation in Christ. How unbelievable is the Lord Church? How unbelievable is God? No one is too far gone when those words start to go because it's the heart above all else. Guard your heart. Psalm 139, we're going to read it together. 139, verse 15 and 16. Uh, so it goes a bit deeper again. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, again, you can focus on all the things you want to on the outside. But what really counts is what the Lord knows on the inside. He's got plans. He's got things in place. And so now it begs the question, how do you manage your heart? How do you guard your heart? What do you do with your heart? Can I suggest a few things and we'll play them out and see where we get to? The first one is, okay, I've been around the block. I've been around the corner. I'm building walls. <laughs> and I'm going to build walls so good that no one can get in. The problem is no one can get out. You build these walls, no one can get in, no one can get out. And you ask anybody that's built walls, maybe you're here today and you've built walls, you'll, it's no solution. It's no solution. It's a temporary fix to a long-term problem, and it does not work. So what do we do? Okay, we'll go the other way. Okay, I'm just going to live my life. Going to sleep with whoever I want to. Going to take as much drugs as ever I want to. I'm going to give everybody as much access to my heart as they like. I'm just, I'm an open book. I'm just like, you know, I can be who I want to be. You know, let's just go the whole hog. Let's go the other way. What happens there? Complete mess. Destruction. Complete destruction. Because a life without boundaries is a reckless life. It's a life that will not last. But a life with walls is one that might as well be dead. It just does not work. So what do you do with your heart? you got to guard it. you got to protect it. Have you noticed that on any day, does it really matter if you wear a green jumper or a blue jumper? Probably doesn't really matter, unless it's your uniform and then they're going to tell you off, or you're at school. Uh, does it really matter if you listen to your favorite song on the way to work or your second favorite song? No, it probably doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Does it really matter if you have breakfast in the morning and then we're going to take it deeper? Well, probably not, but you might be hungry in a few hours. Just depends on the type of person you are. But when it comes to your heart, let's, let's even think of our physical heart and use it as a metaphor for the rest of our lives, uh, like what King Solomon was doing. If there's one foreign object in there that shouldn't be there, game over. <laughs> if there's one part in there that's not there, it's also probably game over. It's not like Ikea. Maybe some of us have been to Ikea recently, and you're like, what do we need these five bits for? Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. The thing looks good. Let's go, you know? Or maybe your car, you're driving along, and you hear something bang out. Oh, it's still driving. It's all right. Throw it over the ditch. Let's keep going. It's all good. But when it comes to your heart, if one bit's not there, everything begins to feel. If it comes to your heart and one bit's there that shouldn't be there, everything can begin to feel. It's precise. It's accurate. It has to be just right. When things get deeper, they get more complicated. When it gets more complicated, we need someone to make sense of it. And it won't work if you just throw money at it. It won't work if you just throw stuff at it. It won't work if you just throw this at it. You will find yourself just in a bigger mess, in a bigger mess, in a bigger mess. Ask kids. Ask kids that are, that are in families where they don't have what they want in terms of a mom or a dad. 
What, what's the thing they want? Sure, toys are fun. Sure, experiences are great. But what they really want is their mom or dad. What they really want is time. What they really want is that personal touch. Life is a tough environment. It's not always possible. It's not always easy. But apply the principle all the way up. Now you're 30, now you're 40, now you're 50, now you're 60, whatever. When it comes down to it, what you really want is heart stuff. What you really need is this taken care of, this taken care of. Your heart, the deep parts of you, they need to be taken care of. Because in there, it's essential that they work. If they don't work, no life. Your physical heart, if it stops, it's over. It's game over. We need to do a quick, quick resus or a quick transplant. Otherwise, it's over. For you in your life, you can bury your heart, but it won't work. Your life will be over. You might as well be living as a dead person. You can block up your heart, but again, you might as well live as a dead person. There's no solution. You can open up your heart and just say, it doesn't matter. I'm an open book. Do whatever you want. You can try it. It just it won't work. The only thing to do with it is to hide your heart. And let's think about this for a moment. The Bible says that we should hide our hearts. In fact, the Bible says that when we come to Christ, we're hidden in Christ with him. When we come to Jesus, what ends up happening? We put our life in him, and he puts his life in us. And now suddenly, my old Ezekiel wrote it, my old stony heart is gone. My undivided heart is gone, and now I've got a heart of flesh. And the only thing that makes it tick is him. Wow. Wow. What an unbelievable reality. What an unbelievable thing. So no matter how far hard your heart has gone, no matter how much abuse your heart has got, turn to Jesus and watch what he can do. See, the problem is when the problem gets in here, it affects every aspect of us. I looked up a crazy stat. said this, last Christmas 2022, the UK alone, I don't know about the world, but I just picked the UK. We're, we're part of the UK. We're in Northern Ireland. It said the UK alone spent over $22 billion on Christmas. Wow. We know that many people for Christmas go into debt to try to show somebody's heart that they love them. And it can take them all year to pay back that debt. I'm going to suggest to you it is unwise debt. Because what we're after is not objects and stuff. Now, if you train us, we'll think that's what we want. If you train us, we'll think that that's what satisfies. But the problem is it never does. It's the heart that needs satisfied. It's that innermost being that needs satisfied. And so the psalmist put it really well. David did. Let me read it to you. It's what he said. Verse 37, Psalm 37, verse, verse 7. Or verse, chapter 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Wow. Get that one in your phone today. Psalm 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me. You will strengthen my soul. And he'll do it all for free financially. Time, incredibly costly. Is it worth it? Beyond belief. Beyond belief. You are my hiding place. Again, if you come to my house, sometimes Aria wants us to play hide and seek. Here's how we play hide and seek. Come hide with me. Come hide with me. This is what the Lord says to us. And maybe he's whispering today to your heart. Come hide with me. 
come into that secret place with me. Sometimes it has to be a physical place because we live in a physical world. Sometimes it's just day to day throughout your day. You're just praying and talking to the Lord and he's strengthening your heart. But there has to come those moments where you get into that secret place, that hiding place, and you hide together with him. And nobody knows where you are. Even Siri doesn't know where you are because you do do not disturb. Or you turn your phone off. Don't worry, everyone's going to be fine. And you just get alone with him. And, and, and he starts to do stuff in your life. And you go, I didn't even know I needed this done. Because the maker knows you. Because the father knows you. Because the one who created you knows you. Psalm 91 verse 1 says this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, this is David. Do you know who David is? Come on, he's, he's the dad. He's the dad of Solomon. He writes this and he says, come on, son, this is the way to live. Whoever dwells, whoever lives in the secret place, whoever knows the Lord, whoever realizes that stuff here, there, and everywhere, it's not really going to be the solution. Have it if you want it, but know that it's only got a place. It's not everything. He says, he says son, remember, the only way to live is close to the Father's heart. The only way to live is close in his presence. Look at Jesus. Every time when we were doing something fun, we turned around and he was gone. He wasn't trying to run away. He wasn't trying to escape. What he wanted to do? He just wanted to be with his father. He, he was just like, I know what's going on here. I know I'd enjoy the party. I'd enjoy more. But I need to get in his presence. I need to get in the secret place. I need to get hidden with him. I need to get alone with him. You see, in Christ, there's a new way to live. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, this is the secret of our whole lives. It's the hidden place. It's the fact that you are hidden in Christ. It's the fact that you give up your life, whatever life you had anyway. Come on, let's be real. The life you had before Christ was not all it was cracked up to be. In fact, for many of us, it was a disaster. That's why we give our lives to Christ. And even for those that thought their life was pretty good, now that you've got Jesus, realize that your life before was terrible. The life with him is far better. And so Paul's saying, remember, church, remember, it's no longer you that lives anymore, but Christ that lives inside of you. Come on, it's Christ that lives through you. I'm not living with my power anymore. I'm living with his power. And I want to say to you today that your heart cannot be trusted. Wow. Let us sink in just for a moment. Your heart might begin to resist, i.e. your mind. Well, what is he talking about? Your heart cannot be trusted. That's why Paul said, I crucified myself. I've been crucified with Christ. My flesh, my heart, my life, my ideas, my plans, I sacrificed them all. And I allowed the Lord to come. And now he's my life source. He's my heart. Come on, Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart. Whenever you came to Christ, what happened? He gave you a new heart. He made you a new creation. Your life source changed. Church, we're not trying to get through this life with God. We're, getting, we're going through this life, and he's living through me. There is no life outside of him. There is no life outside of Christ. He is my life, and I'm not going to deceive myself any longer. I'm going with him. He's the only one that counts. I'm going to get our worship team to come, and we're going to finish off. But I want to finish off with one more story from the Old Testament. Uh, I want to go to David. Uh, we talked about David. We read some of his psalms there just for a moment. But I, I want to say that today that the Lord is here and he wants to challenge your heart. 
He wants to challenge your heart. Maybe he's already been doing it. But there's a story from the Old Testament by David. Anybody remember David? He was King David, incredible guy. We're all going, come on, I want to be like David. But along the way, David faced a few challenges in life. Do you remember King Saul? King Saul was the king that Israel wanted. It was the king that everybody was believing for. King Saul pray, or came to God and talked to God, and he was the one. And so he raises up, and it says that he was a mighty man. He was a mighty king, a king that was above all other kings, and God raised him up. And so along his journey, he's like following the things of God, and he's going for God, and everything's going really well. And then it says that one day, God came in the form of the prophet of Samuel and said to David, you're going to be next king. And poor old Saul, who was fully secure in the things of God, became a bit insecure. What happened? He heard about a word, and it got to his heart. And he began to question and he let the word become better than God himself. And it undermined him. And it confused him. And he got scared. And he got nervous. And now this mighty man of God that everybody looked at as the ultimate king, it says that eventually the Spirit of God left him because the Lord got fed up with him. Wow. it's <laughs> a harsh word. But David was still coming. It says that David rose up and he took the throne. Mighty David who defeated Goliath. You know, David with the sling and he only did one stone and he killed Goliath and chopped off his head with his own sword. And wow, what a story. And they had songs about him. He was like, he was famous. He didn't need any Instagrams. He was just like, everybody knew about David. Everybody knew about David. Let me read a verse to us today. David, this mighty man of God. Second Samuel chapter 11. I encourage you to read these two chapters today. If, if you get them, I tell you, you get five minutes, read this. Chapter 11, chapter 12. That'll challenge your heart. It says, one evening, David got up. Remember, mighty David got up from his bed. And he walked on the round on the rooftop of the palace. It says, from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. It says, the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. Wow. This is not good. First off, he's on the roof and he's looking at a woman in a bath. Not a good idea. It's not his wife. He begins to think about her. What's going on? She started to get into his heart. Started with his eyes, but it was going to his heart. It says, the woman is very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Wow, she's a married woman. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him. And he slept with her. Wow. Church, just for a moment, think about this. This is mighty David, king of all of Israel. Everybody knows him. Very, very famous. The Lord knows him. The people know him. Almost untouchable. Sure, nothing could go wrong in David's life. Nothing could go wrong with him. But for whatever reason, his heart got distant from the Creator. His heart got distant from God. And before you know it, here's this mighty man on a rooftop looking at another woman who's married. He gets her in his heart, starts to come in, starts to think about her. And then he says, come, come. And it goes from bad to worse because not only does he come, but he sleeps with her and she gets pregnant. And now he's going, I've got a problem. What am I going to do with this problem? I've got to sort this problem out. What should he have done? Ran to the Father. Ran to the Lord. Repented poured out his heart and said, Lord, I take this, literally, pour out his heart. Take this junk from me, Lord. I need to turn around here. Fill me up again. But what does David do? I'm a man of means. I'm a man of power. I can sort this one out. I'm a man of reputation. I'm embarrassed. No one's going to know. 
So he says, I'm going to hatch a plan. Uriah, her husband, I, I'm going to send, send, get him back from the battle. I'm going to send him home. And he's going to sleep with his wife. And then it's going to be all okay. I'll forget about all of this. It'll all be a cover-up. Problem was, Uriah didn't want to go home because he was on a mission. He says, I'm not taking my eyes off the prize. I'm going to continue on on the mission. So David goes, i got to come another plan. Isn't that crazy? That one little thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing, leads to another thing, leads to another thing. And now David's out of control. And he's capable of anything. And it goes from seeing a lady in a bath to murder in his heart. And he says, the only way to solve this now is I got to kill Uriah and I got to do it and cover it up. Wow, this is King David, the guy anointed by the prophet Samuel, the one picked out in front of all of his brothers, the guy who got a sling and a stone from the brook and defeated Goliath. He's just incredible in all his ways. He's untouchable. Oh no, he's just like me and you. You got to guard your heart. It says that he brings him out into the battle and Uriah gets killed in the battle and David begins to cover it up. And then it says that the prophet Nathan comes to David and he tells him a story about a lamb. That's why you got to read chapter 12. And he tells him about how there's this guy who had a lamb and, and he just had one wee lamb and then there was another guy who had loads. He had more than enough, but he wanted the other lamb and he took it from the guy who had nothing. He took that lamb and kept it for himself. And David got mad and he says, who is this man? I'll sort him out. And Nathan turns around and he says, David, the man is you. Wow. Wow. It hit him right to the heart. We read Acts chapter 2, verse 37. They were cut to the heart. David was cut to the heart. He thought he could run God. He thought he could hide from God. He thought he could do it his own way. He thought he could sort the thing out. But he went from a man who only had God in his heart to a man who had murder in his heart. And he did incredibly terrible things. What happens in that next moment is that the Lord challenges him. And David pours his heart out and he repents. And the Lord restores him. And who's the son that comes after? Sadly, the son that he was con had conceived with Bathsheba dies. But the son that comes next is Solomon. Solomon writes... Let's read it again together, church. I'm sure thinking about his dad. Dad, above all else, guard your heart. I, I got to tell you about my dad. So above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Doesn't matter if you're a king. Doesn't matter if you've been anointed by God. Doesn't matter if you've had incredible wins in the past. Doesn't matter if you've defeated Goliath and people will remember for thousands of years. I want to tell you about my dad. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Wow. Church, can we stand together? Wow, the Lord is good. I want to finish off with one last little story of this tiny little card. Tiny little card. We went out to Latvia this week and we met some of the teenagers that we get to work with, which is an unbelievable privilege in the summertime. And we sent out a, a tiny message in our group chat. We've got a WhatsApp group chat. And we said, guys, we're here. They didn't know we were coming. And the, the chat just lit up. It was like 100 messages in like 20 minutes. Literally, I'm not even exaggerating. And they're like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And we were like, we're at a pizza place. Come meet us. We dropped the pen and 15 of the guys came. And then one of the girls, her name is Amanda, she gave me this card and actually she gave me like a little present. And she said, this is for you and Ian. I want to read the card. Uh, there's some pictures we can look at later. It'll be fine. This is what she says. An early Merry Christmas. 
thank you all. And she means this not just to me and Ian, but to all of the team that came, Ross, Chelsea, some of the guys that were here this last summer. Thank you all for changing my life. This is Amanda. She's 14. I'm really grateful. May God bless you with love, Amanda. You see, last summer when we were, this summer, sorry, when we were in Latvia, we met a whole bunch of teenagers who came to our camp. What a privilege that teenagers would come. And as they came, they weren't really sure why they were there. We knew why they were there, but we were just trying to convince them that this is going to be good. Don't go home. Don't go mad at us. But just trust us. This is going to be an amazing camp. Well, at the start of the camp, Amanda and her friends probably weren't so sure, but by Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, everything had changed. And when we went to Latvia this last week, we're driving home, and we had about a half an hour journey to drive home. The girls are all in the back, all singing worship songs, all the songs that we taught them in the summer. They never knew these songs before. And we said to Amanda, Amanda, what was the summer like? She says, it changed my life. She says, I'm 14 going on 15. I thought you sound like 34, but she was 14 going on 15. And she says, my mom says I'm a changed person. My teachers say I'm a changed person. I said, what are the changes you have made? She says, I've changed my friends because some of my friends were no good for me. And now I talk to those friends about Jesus. I'm trying to get them to change their hearts. I give my life to Jesus, she said. And when I give my life to Jesus, He changed everything about me. And now what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to live close to Him. I'm trying to get to the secret place. She's 14. And I'm trying to live for Him. And it's not always easy. I said, I know. But what do you do? She says, I pray. And I sing these songs. And I learn the dances that the girls showed me during the summer. And some of the boys too. And I try to live for God. Because He has got my heart. And there's nobody like Him. Her name's Amanda. Pray for her. But she's just one of many. If you've come to Lafayette over this last few years, she's one of many. It's the same here. It's the same here in your life. It's the same with the youth that come on Fridays, the kids that come on Fridays. It's the same. We're changing people's lives, church. And their hearts are being turned around because they're finding the one true love. They're finding Jesus. They're finding Him. I want us to pray. Come on. Lord, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that if we have put our hope in Jesus, we have found everything we need. Lord, I pray that if we need cut to the heart, cut us to the heart. Because, Lord, the solution will be repentance and coming back to Him. Revelation says, don't forget your first love. Don't forget your first love when you first came to salvation because it's the only love that counts. Don't forget Jesus. Don't forget Him. Don't forget Him. Don't forget Him. Lord, I pray today for each one of our hearts. I cannot trust my heart. I suggest you can't either. But what I can trust and who I can trust is the Lord. I can trust Jesus. And so, Lord, I choose to lay down. It's not I who lives any longer. It's you who lives through me. I am hidden in you. And when the times are right, I will run away with you and I will hide out with you. And you will repair my heart and increase my heart and strengthen my heart and renew my heart. Lord, I pray today if we need work done in our hearts that right now we would say, Lord, come and change my heart. Lord, if we thought we didn't need work, but as we've spoken today, we've realized that we need the Lord, then Lord, come and do the work that needs to be done in my heart. And if we're not sure if we need heart work done, let's be like the early, early disciples. Lord, we don't think we've done wrong, but if it's us, come tell us, Lord. If we have, come show it, Lord. If we have, come reveal it. Lord, I pray that none of us need the prophet Nathan to come or someone similar to tell us, like David, it's you, David. But if we do, let us understand the grace and the love of God is always there to restore us and redeem us. Lord, I pray for every heart. I pray for every life. 
Let us live for Jesus and only Him. In your precious name, amen. Come on, let's sing.